Amen. Let's give God glory for being with us in those moments. Amen. Let's also uh, let's, let's thank the, the praise team, the volunteers that make this happen every week. Praise God for you guys. Good job. You may be seated. Hey, I hope you've had a wonderful Christmas season. I, I love Christmas break. Uh, with, a, with a large family, you never know what's going to happen. Um, uh, as a child, man, it seemed to go by so fast. I know, kids, if you're in this Bond County School District in the area, you've got one more day left of vacation. Cherish that, okay? It's, it's going to fly by. One thing that happens uh, at the Graber House during Christmas va- uh, vacation is we get out of our rhythm. I don't know if you can relate to this if you've got kids. Uh, your, your normal everyday life is kind of turned upside down for a little bit. And whenever I was a young father and my boys started being in elementary school, I thought, boy, they're going to be on crucifixion and we're going to sleep in to like eight every day. To my surprise, if your children are 13 and, and under, you can probably relate to this, instead of uh, sleeping in, they get up extra early when they're on vacation. How I many can relate to that? Like uh, daily, instead of getting up at 6.45, 7 o'clock, she was up before 6 every time during vacation. It was, it was wild. One uh, morning, I think it was the second day of vacation, uh, over her uh, vacation from school, she was in the kitchen before anybody was even awake, and she was making breakfast. And I could hear her kind of working in the kitchen, pulling the, the chair up to the counter and getting things out. And I went in, um, and she was already set down eating, and to my surprise, on her plate, she had one hot dog. Okay, <laughs> It was like 6.15 in the morning, she's got a hot dog there, and I said, daily, I asked her a question, I said, I said, is the hot dog a good choice for breakfast? And she says, yes, Dad, it's healthy. And I said, I said how do you know that, Daly? She goes, well, if they put vitamins in the dog food so the dog's healthy, I know they put vitamins in the hot dog so I can be healthy. And I said, Daly, enjoy your hot dog, all right? But I asked Daly that question a couple of days ago on, on her vacation And you never know the answer you're going to get with the question. I want us to enter into this series uh, being comfortable with asking questions, no matter the answer we're going to get, because we're going to dive into God's Word. We're going to wrestle with these things together. This series is called, Can I Ask That? If you're my age and older, you probably grew up in a church culture, if you went to church a lot, and there were things you didn't talk about at church, things you didn't ask about. I want you to know it's my heart, it's the, uh, the heart of the elders and the staff, that this be a place where we can ask questions of God and one another. And if you're wondering, man, can I ask that? The answer is yes. Because the world on, on the internet and in the media and from our friends uh, that may not know Christ, they're going to share with us all this uh, truth and, and we can be confused. This is the place where we need to be comfortable to go to find answers. But here's the reality. Some of the things you may ask, we may not know the answers yet. But I believe we're going to have a a, a blessing and a growing of our faith as we wrestle with some of these questions. So I want to hear from you. Um, If you've got a question that's been on your heart about faith, about family, about church, uh, maybe about just the world we live in, share that question with us by writing an email at questions at greenvillefcc.org. Uh, you're probably, we're going to be able to know who you are. I'm not going to share that with everyone. If you want it to be totally anonymous, uh, the generosity boxes at the exits, you can put your question in them. Just drop us a note. You don't even have to sign it. We're not uh, promising to answer all of these questions exactly, and we may get uh, some of them to the point where like, we don't know we're going to have to keep wrestling this together, but that's good. We need to know that we can pursue God with our questions of our heart. 
On Wednesday, uh, January 12th, we're going to kick off our Wednesday night programming again for the whole family. Here's the big change. We're going to have uh, supper for everyone at 545 if you want to come then. And then on that first night, we're going to have a question and answer time. Some of the elders, some of the staff, maybe even just a few church members are going to be up here like a panel. And we're going to answer some of the questions that can't get put into the sermon series and maybe some questions uh, real time, live. And uh, we know that's dangerous. That can be a delicate matter. But that's how valuable we think it is to be able to answer questions through God's word and through prayer and through one another. So join us on January 12th as we uh, dive into that time. You don't want to miss that. The first question we're going to answer, though, today is one that I believe, I hope, is very fitting for the beginning of a new year. Here it is. What's the purpose of life? There comes a point, whether it's December 31st or, or uh, the 1st, real early in the morning, there comes a point where you're like, well, what, what am I living for? What's the meaning of life? Most people wrestle with that. King Solomon did. Because uh, we're going to see today that, that he is acknowledging with all the blessings he had in life, if there's not a true purpose, it becomes meaningless. We, we cannot be fully blessed in life and thrive if we don't first understand our value, being created by God, and then understand the purpose He's created us for in Him. So I hope we're going to uncover that today. Because if we miss the point of our purpose, we can make a mess of things real quick. If we misunderstand what something is to do, uh, we can misuse it or even abuse it. I heard about a rich man who wanted to buy his mother uh, a very special Christmas gift. I mean, this guy was extremely wealthy. In the past, he'd bought his mom cars, jewelry, even a house. And on this Christmas, he said, man, I want to buy my mom something no one else has. So he did a little research on the Internet. She was a, an animal lover. Uh, she really enjoyed animals. And so he found this pet bird that could speak uh, two different languages, uh, English and Italian, over 300 word vocabulary. It could even sing show tunes. I mean, this bird did it all. The only problem was the bird cost $75,000. He said, no problem. He, he bought the bird, wired the money to the uh, bird keeper. The, the, they sent the bird to make sure it got there on Christmas Eve. And the guy was super excited about his mom getting this new bird. He wasn't able to be with her on Christmas Eve, so he called her first thing Christmas morning and says, Mom, uh, what do you think of the bird? And his mom says, Son, it was delicious. <laughs> you didn't see that coming, did you? But here's the reality. The mom missed the point, the purpose. There was so much more the bird had to give. I wonder how many times that we admittedly miss the purpose of our life. And we make a mess of things. As foolish as that little joke was about uh, misunderstanding the value of the bird, I wonder how many times do we get to, to the March, to July, to the end of the year and be like, I missed the point. And it's not a laughing matter. Man, today is a great day to, to restart with a new purpose in life. What one that really matters. If you're like me, though, you've been frustrated before on January 2nd, 3rd, 4th, whatever the date is. You're like, man, I, I missed the purpose of that day. And it gets frustrating. You're not alone. Not only have I done that, King Solomon has done that. Uh, the wisest man to ever live other than Jesus. Uh, the, the wealthiest man, I believe, to ever live. Uh, a, a guy who had uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of meaningful relationships uh, gets to the book of Ecclesiastes and he's teaching us. He says, it's all meaningless unless we get the purpose right. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We're going to look at most of this entire chapter. And as much as I want to be uplifting at the beginning of the new year, i got to be real. We ask questions because we have holes. We have uh, thoughts. Uh, Solomon is, 
is asking questions and, and stating this truth, apart from a real purpose, all of life is meaningless. So we're going to wrestle with that. What does it mean to truly have a meaningless life without purpose? Solomon's going to give us five different things that can happen, and I, I can relate to almost all of these. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1, Solomon is kind of setting the context. He says, these are the words of the teacher. He's like, I am the teacher. I'm the wisest guy to ever live. Listen, he says, I'm uh, um, King David's son who ruled in Jerusalem. So right from the very first verse, Solomon's saying, hey, I'm, I'm a great teacher. I'm the son of the greatest king there's ever been. And, and now I'm the ruler of Jerusalem. Uh, please listen to my words because I've got something to share with you. So through the Holy Spirit, Solomon is speaking to us about the meaning and purpose of life. Here's the first thing he says. It's going to be a real killjoy, but here's what he says. Look into, listen to verse 2. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. You're like, well, this has some value. Solomon's saying, hey, from my experience, it, it, unless you're purposed on God, everything is completely meaningless. He says, what do people get from their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. Psalm is giving us a rude wake-up call at the beginning of this year, wanting us to know, apart from God's plan for our life, uh, even the harder we work, the more uh, that we strive for excellence, the more that our life declares that it's all meaningless without God. Because Solomon had it all. He was a king. He was wise. He had wealth. And yet he says, I've learned the more that I work, the more it's meaningless without God. Second thing he says is this. When we have no purpose, life becomes monotonous. Look what it says in verse 8 and 9. He says, everything is wearisome, wearisome, beyond description. No matter how much we see, we never are satisfied. No, how matter, no matter how much we hear, we're not content. History really re, merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Solomon is getting this point. He says, I've tried a lot of things. I've declared a lot of things are great, but nothing ever really seems to matter. Everything is just repeated one day after the next after the next. He says, history merely repeats itself. It's all been done before. It's kind of like we're that gerbil in the cage on that wheel that goes around and around, and we just run, 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 and we go as fast as we can, but the things just keep spinning, but it never really matters. It's one day after the next after the next. I have hit a new level of awareness of monotony of life in the midst of COVID because every day I turn on the te television, it's the same news story. It's just the one day after the next of, hey, focus on this, and if you just do this, we'll survive. God has not made us to survive. He's not wanted us to live in a monotonous world. He wants us to thrive with his purpose. But Solomon says, if we're not careful, the days just keep repeating themselves. I wonder what you're focused on that just clicks one day off after another after another. Maybe it's to get through school. Maybe it's just to, to get a paycheck. Maybe it's just to pay the bills. Maybe it's just to stay healthy. Well, I'll do the, all these things it, it, it just in order to achieve this, and you're going to get there and be like, it doesn't really matter apart from God. Reminds me of the classic. It's not a Christmas classic. It's a February classic. We're going to watch just a little bit of it, though, Groundhog Day. How many of you have ever seen Groundhog Day? That day that just keeps clicking off one after another. Uh, the, uh, the news reporter, the weatherman's there uh, doing a, st uh, a story on Punxsutawney Phil, and then he gets caught in the same day over and over again. Watch this clip.
Even the preview goes on for the next minute, just that day going over and over again. I, I would, I would uh, suggest that movie if you've never seen it. You may be living that movie right now. You may have hit the alarm this morning, not another day, not another year, without meaning. Solomon lived it. And if we're not careful, we can too. I wonder what keeps you just ripping the days off, one after another, but never really having a purpose. Solomon says, hey, it's meaningless, it's monotonous, but he also says it's not memorable. He says, when we have no purpose, life ceases to be memorable. We love memories. Oh, well, it's one of the reasons I, I really love Christmas time. We create memories with family and friends and, and the church. Our memories go into picture books and, and uh, movies that we keep in the basement. You know, we, we have all these memories. But look what Solomon says about the world without meaning. Sometimes people say, here's something new. They get all excited, but it's actually old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past. He goes, nobody really cares or remembers. And in the future generations, no one remember what we're doing now. Boy, I can't think of a, a more of a downer way to start the new year. What we're doing now will not matter in the future. Apart from God, it's true. Although there will be a few people that know who we were, what we did. But Solomon, God's word says there's really nothing new, and people don't really remember the past, and in the future will quickly forget us. For example, I wonder how many of you can remember these things. If you're a sports fan, maybe you have a chance. Uh, tell me this who hit the winning shot for the University of Illinois in the national championship game? Anybody know? No one. It never happened. Okay, sorry, it's a bad Illinois joke, all right? <laughs> I hope they do it this year. I'd love for a Big Ten team to win. Maybe they can do it. But this is a real um, question here. No tricks here. How many of you are St. Louis Cardinal fans? Raise your hand. Be confident. Okay, see how many of you remember this. I was five at the time. In, in 1982, the, the Cardinals won the World Series in Game 7. What a great accomplishment. It was a great series. I, I wonder how many of you know who was the starting winning pitcher for the Cardinals that night. Anybody know? Okay, we'll come back to you in a minute. Uh, just let everybody play along for just a minute. If you feel like you know, raise your hand. We've got at least one person. 1982, uh, here, here's some of the potential uh, pitchers of that era. Joaquin Andahar, okay, that could be the winner. Uh, Bruce Souter or John Tudor. Uh, if you think John Tudor was the winning pitcher that night, raise your hand. John Tudor. John Tudor's wrong. He wasn't even on the team. He, wasn't, he, he, wasn't, he was in college back then, so we, we forget. How about Bruce Souter? How many thinks Bruce Souter was the winning pitcher that night? You're wrong. You don't remember. Bruce Souter was the, um, the relief pitcher. He was on the mound when they got the last, last out. He got the save. Joaquin Andahar was the winning pitcher that night. And all of you knew that, right? The rest of you knew that. How quickly we forget. We We forget. I wonder what else you thought was extremely important and you've forgotten. Like your favorite football team, what was the year they won the Super Bowl? Oh, maybe this. Who, who even won the Super Bowl last year? We're all going to watch it this year. Hopefully it happens. But here's the reality. We're, how quickly we forget who was the MVP, who, who, who made the big catch. Solomon says this. All these things we think are so important are not even memorable. So be very careful. What you're putting stock in is the most important thing. In a matter of a decade, it'll probably be forgotten. So what really matters? We know life is meaningless without purpose. It's monotonous. It's, it's not memorable, but it's also messy. 
when we have no purpose, a godly purpose, life gets messy. Look what it says in verse 11. What is wrong cannot be made right. He's talking about the world. Apart from God. Politician, kings, he was a king, the wisest man. He's saying, what is wrong in this world without God cannot be made right. When are we going to figure that out? That what is wrong, apart from God, can't be made right. What is missing cannot be recovered. What is out of control cannot be controlled by us. I mean, I think it's really relevant. One of the smartest guys I know recently told me, uh, based on what we're living with with sickness and, and COVID in general, we could work, work, and work and try to control this, and we're not going to control it more than a percent or two. Uh, it, it's just going to run its course. It cannot be controlled. The Word of God says that. But we don't have to fear protected by God. Do we need to do our very best? Absolutely. But we need to understand, apart from God, things of this world are messy. We're living in a very messy time. Don't be afraid. Pray for others. If you're sick, take care of yourself. But what's missing cannot be recovered. Because things are meaningless and monotonous and non-memorable and messy, you know what it ends us, us doing? Going crazy on our own. We'll become emotional. We'll become depressed. We'll become overwhelmed. And that's just King Solomon. He, he says this, When we have no purpose according to God, life is maddening. It's maddening. It, it, you, you'll go mad. You'll go crazy. You know, one evidence of this in Scripture is Solomon in this text is talking to himself. That's one way you know you're crazy. At least half crazy, you're talking to yourself. Look what, look what Solomon says. I said to myself, I rest my case. He is talking to himself at this point. He says, I said to myself, self, look, I'm wiser than any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. He's like, man, I should have my stuff together. So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. And I've learned firsthand pursuing all this is like chasing the wind. You talk about maddening, chasing the wind. Solomon says, I'm smarter than anyone. I've got more resource than anyone. And yet I feel like every day of life is just chasing after something I can't have. You're going to go crazy. He said, it's maddening. It's madness. It's folly. It's, it's foolish. How much, though, do we spend our lives, like Solomon, chasing after the wind, never holding it, and you feel like you're going crazy? You may have entered this new year hoping it was going to be brand new and just perfect, and you're going crazy because it's just like 2021. Solomon admits here to all of us that he, even as the king, is struggling with this. It reminds me of the great theologians of the 1970s of the, the rock band Kansas and their words. From the song, Dust in the Wind. Same old song, just a drop of water in the endless sea. All we do crumbles to the ground, though we refuse to see. Dust in the wind, all we are is dust in the wind. Sounds a lot like Solomon's words. He says, all we do is chase after the wind and, and it drives us crazy. Uh, the, 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 the band uh, Kansas also acknowledged that, that what they're chasing after, uh, they, can't, they can't have. So whether you're Solomon or the singer of Kansas or you're born right here in Bond County, the reality of the earth making us mad or crazy without purpose is real. Why did Solomon's life become meaningless, non-memorable, messy and maddening? What caused all that is he lost focus. His passion and purpose began to have a different angle. Unlike his father David... 
Solomon began to please himself. That's my suggestion to you today. Uh, David was a man after God's own heart. His passion and purpose was to honor God. Did David make mistakes? Oh, some big ones. But even in those mistakes, he said, God, I want to return to you. I want to live for you. And, and David did amazing things for God to bring him glory. Solomon, though like his father, knew God, was wise about matters, but instead of living for him, he began to live for himself in a lot of ways. Building huge buildings for one. He even built the temple. You'd think that would be a great thing uh, to have an accomplishment, build a temple for God's people to worship. But he made it a lot about his, his own uh, pride. He built uh, palaces for him to live in. And the, one of the most dangerous things he did, he, he didn't follow the advice of his father. His father told him, King David says, hey, don't let women come and rule your life in the sense of this. Don't allow women or wives to come into your kingdom, into your house from foreign lands with their foreign gods. He says, it'll really hurt your faith. It'll hurt your heart. And Solomon's like, I can handle it. And I think it'll be good for the nation. It'll be good uh, for me. I desire this. This is something I think is good. And he brought 700 women into his household, wives, and 300 more women as concubines. And many of them had faith to other gods and, and, and took the focus away from the one true God. In fact, so much so that Solomon's son, Rehoboam, lost his faith completely. Wouldn't it be confusing, though, to grow up with a thousand moms in your household? And uh, most of them had different gods, and Rehoboam says, to heck with all this, I'm just going to do what I want to do because I don't know who to follow. So in, in one generation separated from King David, who followed God with all of his heart, we had Solomon, and then one more generation, we had a king who had no faith. Guys, we need to wake up and realize we can be a nation that walks away from Christ and a commitment to him in just a moment's notice. That's why we have to pour into this next generation and say, hey, the one true God is the most important. We cannot stand by and let another generation happen to what happened to Rehoboam because we're worshiping all these things without a purpose. It becomes meaningless. Solomon let his purpose shift from loving God first to pleasing himself. Man, he had so much. A thousand women around, these great palaces. And he had money. Man, he was wealthy. He really has more wealth than we can comprehend. I would like to just share with you a little bit about his wealth compared to modern people that are wealthy, uh, people that we can't even really understand, even of ourselves. Uh, I came up with a list of nine people real quickly that are great wealth. The first one is Alex Rodriguez. He's the, he's the baseball player that has the most net worth. Like a half billion dollars is what he's worth. Okay. The second one I want to share with you is uh, the, the wealthiest preacher in the world, Kenneth Copeland. He's worth almost a billion dollars. So if you feel compelled to give to him, you may not need to today, okay? He's worth almost a billion bucks. The next one is Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time, maybe the greatest athlete, worth $1.6 billion. Donald Trump is worth $2.3, kind of give it perspective. Oprah is worth $3.5. J.B. Pritzker, our own governor, is worth 3.6. He's the wealthiest politician in the United States of America. Puts him in position to be president, so be praying about that, whatever you think, okay? <laughs> Bill Gates, he's worth $137 billion. These are the big boys now. Bill Gates, Microsoft. Jeff Bezos, $202 billion, Amazon king. 
Elon Musk, $278 billion, now the wealthiest man alive uh, through Tesla and, and SpaceX. He, he is the genius of geniuses right now. I mean, he is on the top of his game. But you compile all of these other nine, and they don't come to a fraction of the wealth of King Solomon. It, it, the modern historians have said, based on the weight of gold we know King Solomon had access to, he was worth about $2.2 trillion. He had it all. And yet he says, man, it's monotonous. I just keep counting gold. It's meaningless. I have all these wives. It's non-memorable. We've made a mess of things. King Solomon had it all but found no real purpose, and it can happen to us. I don't know what you're pursuing. Maybe it is wealth. Maybe your 401k is doing really well. I'm happy for that. But there's really no value in that apart from God. Maybe you're looking for those perfect relationships. Maybe if it's just one, you're like, I finally found it. Good, good, I'm glad. Maybe you built the dream home. Maybe your kids have accomplished different things, graduated college. Maybe you've achieved a new uh, promotion in life, and all these things are good. And then you get to that point, you're like, man, this doesn't really matter. And then what? We try to lose ourselves in TV and movies and the Internet, reality shows, social media, Video games, pornography, uh, the list goes on and on of things that we can lose ourselves in and hoping to, to find meaning. Maybe we escape even further with drugs and alcohol because we know we can't find a purpose in life. And we end up le uh, leaving all that really matters and feeling hopeless and full of despair. Maybe that's where you're at today because you've tried it all else. Maybe you're like, I, I don't know how to go through another year, let alone for the rest of my life. During World War II, there was a tremendous thing that was uncovered by historians. In Nazi prison camps, often the, the prisoners of war uh, that were in the concentration camps would be given a job. And they were often very trivial jobs. And they were given the uh, only thing to pay if they were given anything was some food. But they found, looking back on the war, that those prisoners who were given even a small job, who had any purpose, had more hope than other prisoners. There was a group of prisoners that worked in a, a sewage processing plant. And, and they found hope in this because at least they were doing something to help their fellow uh, people in that community. And, and whatever they did in the sewage processing plant, it gave them some value to know that their lives were, had some meaning. But then what happened, the Allied forces uh, bombed this, uh, this factory or this processing plant and, and totally destroyed it where nothing could be done there. And you've got all of these prisoners who had lost their purpose in life, even if it was working with sewage. So the commanders of the Nazis like, we got to get them a job. So they told them, hey, take the rubble from this bombed-out plant and transfer all that rubble by hand over to this empty field about a quarter mile away. And they did that for a couple weeks. And once all the rubble was moved from that site to this site, you know what the commanders told them to do? Move it back. And they moved it back, and after a couple weeks, they got that completed, and they said, hey, now move it there. And by this time, many of the prisoners were like, I don't want to live anymore. My life has no purpose. I'm just moving rubble. And many of them began to try to be so much um, in, in, in offense of what the, the Nazi uh, leaders wanted, they hoped they were put to death because they did not want to live any longer like that. They, they wouldn't take their own life, but they were like, just shoot me because this doesn't mean anything. Guys, that's what Satan loves to do to us. Go from here to here. Go from uh, 20 to 21 to 22. Just keep doing the circle of life. Be that gerbil inside the wheel and get nowhere. And at some point, we start thinking, this is not worth living. That is a lie from Satan. Jesus told us that he wants us 
to die. He wants to kill, steal, or kill, steal, and destroy our lives. But Jesus says, I've come to give you life to the full. Maybe you feel like there's no hope for the years to come. Maybe that's why you're here today, looking for a glimmer of hope. Well, God gives it to us in the word. I want you to consider which of these three stages of life you might be living in. So many people, including uh, often those prisoners in the prison camps, would live in this first stage. They're just trying to exist. You're trying to make it another year. But it's not going so well uh, with the world. Some would say, hey, it's miserable at times. You're just trying to pay the bills. You're just trying to get through school. You're just trying to uh, not lose your job. You're just trying to keep your marriage together. You're just trying to exist. We have not been made just to exist. While there are times where we have the responsibility not to give up when things are tough. And I want to applaud you guys for not giving up. The elders, the staff, the church members, many of you here this first uh, Sunday in January, it's not near as attractive as Christmas Eve, is it? But you're here. Good job not giving up. I'm being honest about this. We cannot give up, but God doesn't want us to get stuck in just existing. In fact, I want to applaud your generosity. The generosity boxes I mentioned at the exits, at the beginning of COVID, we are like, man, I don't know if offerings going to work out. We're not going to pass the plates anymore. We're not going to do this. People aren't going to gather for a while. Do you know the past two years have been amazing with your generosity? In fact, this past, Jan- uh, this past December, the last four weeks, have been the best four weeks of generosity this church has ever seen. And I just want to say thank you for being faithful and not giving up, knowing that there is a hope and a future that is focused on the good news of Jesus Christ. And and what that's allowed us to do is be uh, faithful to our missions. It's allowed us to be faithful to families in need just this week. Dee and I were like, hey, we need to bless this family. And, And Diane's like, we have the money to do it. We have resources. Let's bless people that are hurting and give them hope. Thank you for not giving up. But we're not made to just exist. The next level is maybe this is where you live. I think a lot of you live here. Many of us try to excel. We want to do great things. We want to do things that will be remembered. We want to win championships. We want to get promotions. We want uh, to have certificates and, and graduate. We want to have kids. We want to excel to do great things. And that is noble. And I know many of you have done great things as as business owners, as as teachers, as community servants, as fathers and mothers, as brothers and sisters, as church leaders. You've done great things. You've excelled. But that's not really why we were made. That's not our purpose is to do great things. Solomon did all these great things. He built the temple, and he says it was meaningless apart from God. So what are we created to? This is the big question. If we're not meant to exist, if, if real purpose is not to excel, what are we made to do? We're made to exalt. We're made to exalt our Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ. Notice this. We are not made to be exalted. Uh, We mess that up sometimes at Christmas time. We put our children and grandchildren up on a pedestal. We make it about them. Guys, it's about Jesus on Christmas and every day. He is to be exalted. That's what we're made to do is to make much of Jesus, the Lord. Look what Scripture says in Ephesians 1. I'm not making this up. We are also chosen to belong to Him. He's talking about the Lord. God decided to choose us long ago in keeping with his plan. He works out everything to fit his plan and purpose. You want to know your purpose? It should align with God's purpose. Look what it is. We were the first to put our hope in Christ. If you have your hope in Christ, here's your purpose. We were chosen to bring praise to his glory. And I'm just calling that sentence exalt. We are chosen by God's plan and purpose to bring praise to 
to His glory, to make much of Jesus, to exalt Him. Our purpose, as those saved by Christ, is to bring glory to God. That's what you're chosen to do. Let me ask you that. Whether you're a farmer or, or, or you work in a factory, whether you're a doctor or, or, or you are um, uh, managing a, a company, or you're a stay-at-home mom, or you're retired, are you bringing glory to God by exalting His name in whatever you're doing? There's where meaning is found. Look what it says in Ephesians, the rest of that chapter. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. He chose us to be saved through Christ. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Man, I am so blessed with five children. Uh, The first four happened naturally through uh, human nature, through, through God's blessing. The fifth one was a choice of adoption. And I want you to know it is much more costly. It's much more of a choice. And that's what God is saying. He wants us to realize this. We were chosen to be adopted as family, and it came with a high price, not by monetary means, not by a time, but by his son. It says this is what he wanted to do to give him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. There's where our value comes from, that Jesus bought us. Are we perfect? No. He says, you had sins and we were bought from those sins by the blood of Jesus. Our purpose so flows out of that. Since Christ has purchased us, we, we are purposed to praise him, to exalt him. It is in Jesus Christ that we find value in what we're to be living for. So there's the aha moment. The question is, what's our purpose? We are purposed to praise him, to make much of Jesus' name. Whether, whether, uh, what, no matter what occupation you are, are living out, we are called to exalt his name. That's why Paul says this in Romans 12. He goes, therefore, because you've been bought by Jesus, his blood, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. He says, make sure what you do with your living bodies is bringing glory to God, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, you'll know your purpose. When your mind is changed to understand everything is related and connected to Christ, what he's done for us, we live in such a way where it's all about bringing him glory. But it's very much connected to our bodies because he lives in us. But when we misunderstand our value, we will often misuse what we've been given. Namely, our bodies. How many of you like Kentucky Fried Chicken? I enjoy a good, finger-licking good meal, you know. It, it, it's, it's good, you know. Uh, do you remember back in the day when Kentucky Fried Chicken had these little handy wipes, you know, after you had your finger-licking meal? Instead of just sitting there, you know, cleaning your hand with your lips, you're supposed to use this napkin to wipe it off. How many remember those napkins? They still have them, but for years they said, hint of lemon. That's really what they said. This is an extra special napkin, I guess, from Kentucky Fried Chicken. There was a gentleman that went on record that really loved Kentucky Fried Chicken. When these napkins came out, he was really impressed. 
because he could add a hint of lemon to his meal. Instead of using it to, uh, to clean his hands, he would take a napkin out and kind of unfold it and dab it over the chicken to give it an extra flavor. He did this for a, a number of months until his friend saying, you're missing the point. You're misusing the, the valuable ingredient here. It has nothing to do with flavor. It has everything to do with just washing your hands. Guys, we, we think that's absolutely ridiculous, and it is. How much more, though, uh, with our living bodies, when we miss the point that we're to live to give God glory, and we do things to please ourselves with our bodies, and we miss the point, we make a mess of things. It is very much about our bodies because that is where the Holy Spirit lives in us until eternity is, is complete. Our, our bodies have value because Jesus died for us, and now God lives in us. So he says, use your bodies as living sacrifices, not for things of the world. Don't misuse them and, and to have a, a hint of this and a flavor of that and do whatever you want. He says, use your bodies as living sacrifices. And boy, you mess that up. When we don't understand the value of something, we, we, we mistreat it. One of the ways we mistreat our bodies in this world we live in is, is sexually. There's so much sexual immorality in our world, even, even physically, just not even only physically, but with our mind through pornography and then affairs, homosexuality that goes against God's word, orgies, and so many other things we could go on and on. And God is saying, make sure you use your living bodies as a sacrifice. And because we have missed the point, we've misused our bodies. It's so tempting to do because we think it's going to provide us pleasure. Solomon caught up in the exact same thing. All these different things he could do with his body, with all these different women, took him away from God. I don't think we're much different in today's world. We need to understand the great value of our bodies that we were created in God's image and understand the blessing of sexuality to be between a man and a woman who are married as husband and wife. And when we take God out of the picture, you know what happens? We distort the value that God's given us. And God declares what he desires. Yeah, I find it interesting, the same guy who said everything is meaningless in the book of Proverbs, he redirects us in our sexuality. I'm going to keep this PG-13. I'm going to have to skip some of God's word here, and you can read it for yourself later. Look at Proverbs chapter 5. Here's what King Solomon says about our bodies and our relationships with our husbands and wives. He says this. He tells this young man, drink water from your own well. He says, man, stay where you belong. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the waters of your spring in streets having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by immoral women? He gets right to this. He goes, I've tried all this. Make sure your relationships are pure between uh, your wife that you were given at a young age. But so quickly we'll go outside of God's design when we don't understand our value and purpose. And we make a mess of things. We first need to understand we are valuable because we're creating God's image saved by grace. But every single other person one in the world is as well. But when we devalue ourselves and others, we will abuse what God's given us. I think that's why there's so much bullying. Because we don't think everybody has value. Shame on our society for letting bully go on, bullying go on, because everyone deserves to be loved and respected. 
I think that's why there's so much racial injustice because heaven forbid that someone has the same values as us because they're from a different place, they, they look different. Guys, everyone is creating God's image and there needs to be a great respect for everyone. I think that's why there's so much discontent in society because we have forgotten the high value that God has placed on every form of life. And when we take this to the extreme, you know what begins to happen when we devalue life? We'll be willing to abort a baby because it's a difficult situation. We'll abandon life whenever it can be expendable based on economics. Guys, we need to be ready to protect life because Satan is, is coming into the world with messaging that is a lie, that is false, and saying life does not matter. Life needs to be held to the highest regard. And it starts with how you live sexually, what you do with your mind and your heart. So in closing, how do you go from existing to excelling, to exalting. You're like, I, I want to sign up to be an exalting person, a person that brings glory to God. How, what do I need? I need to quit my job and get a job where I can be focused on, on God more? No, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe I need to go on more mission trips. Maybe. Maybe I need to, to, to get a degree in ministry. I doubt it. You know what the Word of God says you need to do? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world. Don't just go on that will of the gerbil around and around. Don't go on that pattern anymore, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's not a job change. It's an attitude change. What, the good news is whatever job you're working at, as long as it's not illegal, with an attitude change, you can bring glory to God in that job. As a father, the mother, as a, as a leader, as a, as a custodian, as a doctor, wherever you're at, with an attitude change, if God, I want to live for you, it can be done. Will you say yes to that? And it's not enough just to be here on Sunday morning, which I pray that you will be inspired by this time. Here, here's a couple more things you need to do. Be in God's Word. Read the Bible. If you want to have your mind changed and know the value and purpose of your life, spend time reading the Bible. It'll instruct you much more than I can today. Secondly, ask God to renew your mind. Say, God, change my attitude. Change my mind so my, my physical life will display your glory. And thirdly, follow the mission of this church. Love God, love people, and serve all. When you're serving, you know who gets the glory? God. When you're loving him, when you're loving others, it's no longer about living for ourselves. It's about the other person. It's about God. And then that, you will bring him glory and exalt his holy name. So what's the purpose of life? Is that we may bring him glory. My question is for you, will you do that? A band, if you'll come now, I'm going to call an audible. I was inspired by your song, Yes, I Will. I would like to do that song again, okay? So we're going to cue up Yes, I Will. And my question is, will you do that? Would you stand with me? And I would ask you to, to consider, will you go from existing, not only to excelling, but really exalting him? And we can declare every day of my life, I'm going to give him glory. Not just the beginning of the year, but every day. Father in heaven, let us declare this to you today and be changed. And be people that exalt your holy name. In your son's name I pray. Amen.